Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm excited for talking about that. I'll talk about it in a second to tease, but first of all, we are our identity in Christ. And today, because it's Easter, on Easter we say, He has risen, as in Jesus Christ. And I, I think most of you knew that, but imagine that if you were there on the third day after the crucifixion with the disciples and Jesus has risen, how would you feel? Maybe disbelief at first, but then to actually touch him, feel him, he's risen, to have that so tangible and real. And sometimes we get distant from that feeling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly because of that act, that resurrection that we have this new identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about identity a little bit throughout the month, and you know, I wanna tease a little bit just for for next month, we're gonna be going through the Sermon on the Mount with different brothers preaching. So teaser for the month of May, because we're getting into our Bibles, and and hopefully we could all read along together. If you you have another quiet time that's prioritized, then this could be your second quiet time in the morning. Uh, reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and if you even wanted, of course, we'll keep announcing this, but you could scan that, get this PDF, and it's hyperlinked to a, a daily devotional that different brothers and sisters have done on the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm excited because we can go through this like the Bereans and talk about it together and, man, really continuing our identity in Christ when we see how the Sermon on the Mount describes disciples. Yeah. You know, today we're... We're not dropping candy from a helicopter. Um, We are having a potluck. But even better than dropping candy from a helicopter is the fact that Jesus has risen. Amen. Amen. That's why we're here. That's why we're all here. That's why we want to worship together. Yeah, it's worth a woo. I can't woo. I can't woo. I've tried. I've stood in front of the mirror. I can't pull off woos. I can't pull off woos. Back when I was in college, I went to a Kid Cudi concert with um, a buddy. And we were in the front row, and he brought a, an album along because uh, we got Kid Cudi records. And we're shouting, and I was like, I love you, Kid Cudi, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and my buddy, he, 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 we're waving our arms up, and my buddy goes, you are a god. <laughs> and then, so I kind of had to pause, right? <laughs> and go, where am I right now? <laughs> And he wrote on the record, you are a God to me. And Kid Cudi signed it for him there in the crowd. And, uh, and that had him like pumped up, like his confidence in his identity for like a year straight. He's like, my hero, my, you know, Kid Cudi. It's Kid Cudi. <laughs> put his name on my album. <laughs> it's Kid Cudi. How much better to know that our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. Amen, Amen church? Yes. <laughs> so much better than Kid Cudi. Yes. We don't want to identify or form ourselves around Kid Cudi. But today we're talking about received identity in particular. To sum up what we've talked about the last few Sundays, we had Daniel Lauterbach talk about uh, Galatians 5 and and really, um, and Romans 12, and hey, we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
And that's our true and proper worship. And then we should always ask ourselves when we go to do something, does this please the flesh or the spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That can help form our identity. And then we had Roy talking about conduct matters. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated it. He, he talked about our identity, that we are children of God to encourage us. And he ended in 2 Peter 1 that talks about, you know, add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control that we can grow in these character qualities. We can grow in Christ. But today, we're talking about the cross, and we're not talking about our conduct so much or things to achieve or, or go after ourselves, but just things that we've received by what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm so excited for it. This past week, I had moments, though, where I wasn't this fired up. (laughs) I was sort of telling some of the brothers during men's midweek, you you ever had a week like that where you're you're struggling? Everyone has had those weeks. If you haven't, um, (laughs) come and talk to me. I'll help you out. (laughs) You'll share theirs. But it was so ironic because we were just having a discipleship meeting on Sunday afternoon and I was, I was trying to fire the group up, and I said, man, the first century church, they were being persecuted and scattered, and still they gathered every day, and they didn't see it as a burden. They saw it as an opportunity. They couldn't wait to be together. And um, I said, man, we need to see things as opportunities, not burdens. And then an hour later, my car broke down, and it had to get towed. <laughs> and Jesse had to come and rescue me, and it, it started to set in. They're struggling and looking at life as a burden. Mm-hmm. Then um, I paid our taxes wrong. <laughs> as in, I, here's what I did. I, I went to go pay them. Instead of selecting 2021, I hit 2022, and I paid next year's taxes. I was like, dang, I couldn't afford that. So I don't know how to correct it now. I've been on hold with them for four hours or so. That'll, that, that'll discourage you if that's ever happened to you. You know, Sersha's turning two. There's a couple of things that come along with uh, two-year-olds in their character. That's been, she's a blessing. They, uh, we're getting on a new payroll system, and they got our payroll wrong, so we weren't paid enough this month. And, uh, <laughs> and with our Jeep breaking down, we're actually trying to sell that Jeep because I, I need to get a minivan. That'll, that'll change your identity right there. Yeah, the car seats don't fit. It's, all, it's overwhelming. The baby's on the way. And you know what? I have like four other things on the list here, but I'm not even going to go into them. I think we get the picture and you're going, wait, are we going to get in scriptures today? But I had to call a couple of brothers just to say I'm, I'm struggling and I need some prayer. And I think sometimes we can view our Christian walk that way. Sometimes we can view the cross of Jesus that way as a struggle, as a burden. And I, I certainly felt overwhelmed. What got me out of it was finally in the evening, Madison said, hey, just don't feel that way. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. <laughs> no, she, she actually just gave me a lot of advice. No, she didn't do that either. <laughs> But what got me out of that feeling was her reminding me what God can do. 
And what got me out of that feeling was her starting to dream, starting to have vision that even though we're having a baby, even though we're going to be busy, hey, aren't the disciples in Bend amazing? And hey, imagine what if this disciple could do that? And man, we should set them up so that they can do this in the month of May. And then we start dreaming and having vision for the church and the possibilities and opportunities of what God and the saints in Bend can do. And then I start getting fired up, you know, and I, we start cutting each other off and dreaming. And you get into that opportunity mindset. That's how I want us to view the cross today. Mm-hmm. Do you view the cross as a burden or an opportunity? Mm-hmm. We want to view life in light of the fact that Jesus has risen and the identity that we've received. Amen, church? So we're going to talk about this received identity. We're going to talk about who God tells us we are. And I have two points, but the first point has some sub points. And they're going to go very quickly, so do not worry. (laughs) This is just here for clarity. They're going to go quickly. But the most exciting revelation or the most exciting view vision that you can have about yourself is the view that God gives you in his word, the identity he's given us on the cross. And the cross can be encouraging. It doesn't have to be that burden. Let me ask, have you ever had someone you highly esteem or admire give you a compliment or encourage you? It's an amazing feeling, right? I see some nods in the room. That person who, who knows you, who you look up to and respect. I've, I've shared before up here an encouragement card that Madison had given me that just said something like, you're wonderful. And, you know, that, I, that gives me gas for a whole year. You can go off of that. I had a, a hero in the faith once. What? Gas? Hey, it's pricey these days. Okay. Fuel. I should have said fuel. Okay. I, I hear it now. I hear it now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, you can also be discouraged. Okay. <laughs> you know, I once had a hero in the faith tell me, you inspire me. And I didn't, I didn't deserve those words. <laughs> but when somebody says something to you like that, you're like, man, I'll, I'll work for you for seven years. So I think, okay. <laughs> and it's so encouraging when other disciples tell us those things or when family tells us those things. But how much more encouraging when our God tells us those things? So just imagine that feeling of God giving you a compliment. Or God giving you an encouragement card, if you put it in writing. If he said, Veronica, I know because of the love that you have as a person that so many saints have now found a home and are abiding with me in my kingdom. Thank you for being who you are. That's so encouraging if you imagine that. And on a high view level, that's the cross. It's God's billboard. It's his encouragement card. It is power to believers. Amen, church? It is God saying, this is how much I love you. The first thing of our identity. We are reborn. So we no longer view this cross as foolishness, but as power. So what does it mean to be reborn? 
It means our old life is gone, crucified. Mm -hmm. The new life is given to us. It means our motivation is different. Our perspective is different. Our destiny is different. And our purpose is different. Let's open our Bibles. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is where I get all of those points. And I'm going to read the section of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 20. This helps us to define the cross, to define what Jesus did for us on that original Easter. And this is why we celebrate today. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What a commitment. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Our motivation is different. Christ's love compels us. That means we're no longer motivated. If you're my daughter, by candy. It means you're no longer motivated by pain or pleasure or instinct or other people's opinions of you. But you're compelled by Christ's love. What does that mean to be motivated by love? Really, what what does it mean for you? What things in life are you motivated by love to do? Who are you motivated to be? Just off of love. How is that real and tangible for you? I think of of when Saoirse was born. And three days in, in labor there at the hospital. And, you know, it's very frightening because it's during COVID. But she came and then she, she had jaundice. And that was kind of scary. And she's, of course, awake through the night as that first night goes. And Madison's exhausted. And I'm not nearly as exhausted, but I'm, I'm a little bit tired. I could not compare, but I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> and uh, Saoirse was crying for a couple hours. And finally, I got her to fall asleep, just patting her on my chest. And that's when you get that feeling. Man, I would work at a hot dog stand for the rest of my life if it meant she'd be protected. If it meant she could someday become a disciple. If it meant that she could know love. And Christ's love. And that's, that's being motivated by love for me. I think you've all felt that feeling as well. It's the kind of love that repurposes your life. And simply put it, to be motivated by love means you're movi- motivated more and you care more for that person than you do for yourself. Yeah. It means you're more compelled by Jesus than you are 
for love of self. But his will be done, not our own. In verse 16, our perspective is different. If we have that kind of love that's motivating us, next comes our perspective. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. And think about perspective captures a lot, right? <laughs> kind of captures everything that you look at. It's your lens. It means you no longer look at God or the Bible or church or our own lives through that lens that we used to have. We no longer look at it by what the internet tells us. We no longer look at life by what our social studies teacher tells us. We no longer look at life through what politicians tell us. Instead, we look at everything. Our school, our family, our work, our relationships through what Christ tells us. Amen, church? Who's seen that new hit Disney Plus show that's a hit just because it's a Marvel thing called Moon Knight, that new show that's out on Disney Plus? Like half of us, yeah. My sister told me it had a cute actor, so all the brothers and I started watching it. And, uh... <laughs> Solid. That's not what I said. I'll... <laughs> I'll yeah, so, so Moon Knight, <laughs> it's all about, he's got a, what do you call his condition? Dissociative identity. So you find out by the end of the episode that he's sort of got two personalities. And so you find, you find that out by the end. So then you review the episode and you so see nice. when he was the one person and when he was the other personality. And then it all makes sense. A totally new perspective. If you're a little, I don't know, sixth sense, that's probably the other one I should have used instead of Moon Knight. <laughs> Got to get with the times. Okay. But the clarity and the understanding in the experience is totally different when you rewatch The Sixth Sense or when you rewatch Moon Knight, when you know their perspective. A different lens helps us view things differently. In Christ, do you view things differently, people's lives differently? It's this lens of eternity that burns away some of the momentary troubles. That's when we start thinking about our destiny. Verse 18, all this new perspective, new motive is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now that is an amen. That is an encouraging thing that the cross brings us, right? Yeah. To not have your sins counted against you. What a powerful statement. Yeah. If you ever find yourself questioning, like, how is the cross power towards us who believe? Well, because it means if you are a baptized disciple in Christ, your sins do not count against you. Your sins that previously, yes, were a burden, and are a burdensome thing. Now in Christ, do not count against you. Amen, church? Amen. Have you ever had that feeling that a trans, you had a transgression, but you weren't punished for it? Or you made an offense, but it was overlooked? 
You might think back to when, you know, you and your siblings got into something and you got away with it. Or maybe you, maybe you still remember when you didn't get away with something, but your sibling did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, okay. <laughs> for, you know, for me, it was that I used to be in a gang when I was four years old. It was a, a rough patch in my life. No, I was four. I can't say that. <laughs> it was something like that. Had no money, no car, but <laughs> broke all the rules, didn't listen to anyone. No, we, we were called the Jaybirds, actually, because it was Joey, me, my older brother Josh, and my cousin Julie. And we did an egging. We egged the inside of my uncle's barn. And I was three or four. They were five or six, so they had to clean it up. And I was like, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. They told me. <laughs> I knew, I knew, but they were punished for it. They were punished for it. I was relieved. And that's the same thing when, because of the cross, because we're baptized into Christ, our sins do not count against us. Man, when you have that motivation, that perspective, and that identity of sins not counting against you, your purpose is different. In verse 20, we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Roy talked a little bit about being an ambassador last Sunday. It means you're a representative, but it means that you're called to something. It means the resurrection should move you. To, to take action, to have this new purpose, it means the resurrection changes us. Yeah. The resurrection saves us, but the resurrection has to prompt us to bring this message to others. This message of exactly what we're talking about today, this new perspective, new life, new motivation, this new purpose, that they can be an ambassador as well. Does the resurrection move you? Does it move you? Do you really feel it? I remember it moving me, getting excited about it. What Jesus did for me when I first came into contact with that love. It's like this, you know, when you first learn about the gospel, it's like this prime. Jesse said there in midweek, he's like, oh, you know, it's cliche to say that there's a God-shaped hole in our heart. So I, I can't say that today. But the gospel to me is more like this primal drumbeat. And you feel it. And it's not hype. It's this ancient gospel, and yet it's unhinged and fresh and relevant today. And it just buzzes when you first hear about it, doesn't it? Yeah. But does it still move you today? It's this impulse that can be awakened in each of us to be an ambassador for Christ, simply sharing the good news of his gospel. Amen, church? Man, all of that's encouraging to me. But second point, I, I think this is even more encouraging. We are victors. We learn this and we gain this about our identity through the cross. That we are victorious because of Jesus' victory that he accomplished on the cross. You know, that's a, a perspective and an identity 
the push to Paul to say things like, where, O death, is thy sting? Mm -hmm. He had a victory perspective. (laughs) It pushed him to say things like, hey, though I'm free, I, I make myself a slave to all to win as many as possible. Possibility perspective, right? A victory perspective. His mind wasn't on the burden or the servitude. It was on the freedom and the possibility to set others free. Mm -hmm. And it feels good to be a victor, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's been a while since we've had a win, though, right? It can be tough to feel that way. I always think of board games for some reason. (laughs) It's where... uh, (laughs) where you get that slice of encouragement from having a win in life every now and then. (laughs) But have you had a victory in life? What does that feel like? Have you felt what it was like to win something? It feels so good. Over in Romans, Romans 8, this is where we get that victory, identity. And you know it's a victory identity when you give God the glory. Because it is a victory that can only be founded in God, right? And it can be only accomplished through him, all things by him. So when you give God the glory, man, that's got to be a godly victory thing. A true victory only happens in him. But you know you can have a a defeated perspective when you make excuses. And this is me in board games. (laughs) Whenever I lose a board game, I find myself going... Well, you know, this is because five moves back, I (laughs) should have crossed over that sugar plum fairy or whatever. And I like rationalize it. Why there's the defeat. Always this explanation. We tend to make a lot of excuses when we have defeated perspective. Even when another disciple comes and encourages you with opportunity and a, a chance at victory or what you can do in Christ and says you can be awesome at this, you might respond with a defeated perspective or something negative or no, that's not me or who I am. I can't do that. No, that sounds like too much, too much. We can so easily get into that mindset, but here's what Romans 8.37 says. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that term more than conquerors could also be translated as super victors. A super victor. Not just a victor. Superhero. I hear people whispering that. It makes you think that. Paul put that there for a reason. Because if you, let me tell you, if you haven't had a win in a while, And if you're feeling down or another disciple's feeling down, you got to tell them you're more than a winner in Christ. Mm -hmm. This is our identity. A super victor. This means you can look through life with that victory perspective. It means even when the hardships and the challenges come, if you have a victory perspective, you're going to view them just as character building blocks that are essential to get you to where Christ wants you to be. That's what a victory perspective does. Mm-hmm. And this is where that comes through a little, little while later in Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him. Yes, there's a trial. Yes, there's a defeat. But you know what? 
God loves me and is working all things together for the good. Amen. Have you, you ever had a hardship like that? That now you can look back and view that hardship as, you know, even, even through that hardship, I still have victory in Christ. Yeah. Led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I think of my testimony used to, just before college, getting out and experiencing my freedom and experimenting in the world, I lived in a tent for a couple of months. And that's essential to my testimony, because if I hadn't lived in that tent, I wouldn't have known what real loneliness is like without Christ, without God's people. I wouldn't have been soured on my own independence and pride. I wouldn't have been humbled to God. This past week, I listed all those burdensome things and how we can start to view our life or even the cross as drudgery. But through stresses and defeats, even through that, I think it brought Madison and I closer together, dealing with those stresses and overwhelming feelings. It brings us closer to Christ, I can certainly say that, to give these things to him. And that's a victory. Every time I think we've had a rough patch in our relationship, it brings us closer, we come out stronger. But do you value past hardships. I'm going to start to close by sharing this quote by C.S. Lewis. I think there's a couple C.S. Lewis fans in here, probably even more than Moon Knight fans. And he says something like this in The Great Divorcee. He states that in the afterlife, time will travel backwards as we look upon our lives. In heaven, we will see our lives and all the pain and trials and tribulations will disappear in light of the triumph of being with God. And I think we can even have some of that perspective now in view of eternity. In the afterlife, all of it's going to burn away by the triumph of being with God. Well, we're with God right now. But he continues to quote, In hell... The pleasure and lure of sin will fade away when you look back at your life. That's also going to fade away when you're in hell. And what seems prayerfully not when you're in hell. But man, imagine that. So in heaven, the trials burn away. In hell, those pleasures on earth burn away. In light of eternity. And so I close... When we learn about that identity that Jesus won for us by going to the cross and resurrecting on Easter, that we are reborn and we are victors, who are you? How do you define yourself, view yourself? Because if you received your identity from Jesus Christ, he tells you through the resurrection, you are reborn And you're a victor if you're a baptized disciple in him. And the world will say, hey, define yourself by your occupation, right? Or your race or your sex or your wealth or your age or your politics. Your car. (laughs) Your status symbols. (laughs) But God says, define yourself through Jesus Christ and his word. Amen, church? Amen. If you're a disciple of Christ, 
then you know and you believe that your highest calling in life is to follow him and follow the way of the cross. And that is life to the full, and that does not have to be a burden. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Our highest calling in life is to follow Jesus. So I say, church, die to yourself and live for Christ. And we should be all fired up for that in view of this Easter day and our celebration of the identity Christ has given us. And I say on God's behalf, the same words that Christ told us there in 2 Corinthians 5, I implore you, be reconciled with him and reconcile others to him by his cross. Amen. And to God be the glory. Let's go to him in a word of prayer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.